Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Distributed Morphs. Today's guest is Carlos Oregi. Dr. Oregi is an associate professor at the University of Chicago in the Department of Linguistics and an expert in distributed morphology, Basque linguistics, and a number of other topics. Today, our conversation is going to center around the basics of distributed morphology based on a number of listener requests. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Carlos. Uh, thank you so much for uh, being here today. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about just sort of the basics the of DM. And uh, so I just want to start off by asking you um, uh, if you could give us like the elevator pitch, the like kind of fundamental uh, ideas behind DM, like in just like a couple minute uh, spiel, what would that be? Uh, hi, Jeff. I'm happy to be here. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, <clears throat> distributed morphology, what, what, what makes this theory sort of unique and different from other theories of morphology is sort of, you know, it's, evident in its name, in, in the name distributed morphology. One of the major claims is that there is no single part of the grammar that takes care of uh, accounting for the internal properties of words, the internal structure uh, and their form. Um, and together with that um, is the claim that there are at least two parts of the grammar that are involved in it. One that takes care of um, uh, the internal structure of words, uh, uh, for instance, the the the, the fact um, that uh, a word like dogs consists of at least two parts: the part dog and the uh, the sort of the nominal part um, that is pronounced dog, and the and the inflectional part or the number part that is pronounced the. Um, and and so that's one part of the grammar. Another part of the grammar takes care of the actual form: the fact that one of those parts is pronounced dog, the other one is pronounced um, the. Um, and finally, uh, uh, another very important defining part of the framework is the claim that the morphosyntactic aspect of word structure, the, the, of, of word, uh, the, the part that takes care of the internal structure of words is the same part of the grammar that takes care of the structure of sentences and phrases, what we call syntax. Okay, perfect. So... Let's talk a little bit about some of the, the, the core mechanics of distributed morphology. Um, so one of the pieces of distributed morphology um, that kind of feeds into that, that, that relationship between uh, syntax and uh, morphology or this, this relationship between uh, you know, syntax and morphology being isomorphic with each other um, are ideas about things... Uh, being uh, what, terms like late insertion and vocabulary competition. Uh, could you help us understand um, a little bit more about those terminology? Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> vocabulary insertion and vocabulary competition has to do with um, part of what I was talking about before. Uh, so this is um, uh, the part of the theory that, that deals with the part of the grammar that takes care of the form of, of morphemes and the form of words. Um, and again, it's sort of, it's its own separate module of the grammar that takes care of that. And um, 
and sort of and and the idea is that morphemes are are not born with form with exponents with phonological form um they're they're abstract um uh that's what makes this theory a uh, realizational theory it shares this with with other frameworks and the idea is that is that morphemes are given form by rule um uh these rules are variously called um uh, rules of exponents or vocabulary uh, items or vocabulary entries. Um, and, and the main reason why we, why we would want to do it this way, uh, at least for some morphemes, is to account for uh, different kinds of facts. But, but at the core of it is to account for um, syncretism and allomorphy patterns, which are pervasive in any morphological system. Um, so just a quick example sort of a very easy example of syncretism um, and, and uh, how to do it with, uh, with late insertion is, um, uh, is this, this, the simple, uh, simple present uh, uh, paradigm in English. So uh, for most English verbs, <clears throat> you, you should have six different, six different uh, uh, forms in the present, right? Um, one for first singular, second singular, third singular, first plural, second plural, third plural. But most verbs only actually have two forms for those. Right. Those like if we had maximal forms. differentiation between each of our different uh, persons and numbers, uh, which is like what the, the grammatical system might predict, given all of these different features that might be at work. Exactly. So in the grammar, in the syntax, you want there to be six different word forms. Um and that leads us to posit six different word structures, but those are mapped to only two forms. And uh, sort of a very efficient way of accounting for that is to say that you have these six separate abstract word forms and they're mapped to, uh, sorry, word structures, and they're mapped to actual form, to exponents, to phonological form by rule. Um, that's efficient because that allows us to do it with just two rules. One that... Um, that accounts for the bare form for work. So the paradigm for uh, for the verb work would be work, work, works, work, 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 right? So we only have two rules: one that 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 takes care of the bare form, another one that takes care of the of the s form. Um, so the phenomenon of syncretism is simply the fact that mo in most of this paradigm, all the all the forms are identical, and there is a different one. Um, uh, for the third singular. So that means that we have a, a rule that spells out uh, the third singular inflectional morpheme as S, and then a rule that's called an elsewhere rule that 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 says, well, the, the present tense is simply zero. Um, uh, and competition comes about because, um, because uh, in the third singular, right, you have two rules that are compatible with the structure. Um, the S and the zero form, and uh, and that creates a competition between the two. And then there, what we want to say is that the more specific one is the one that wins the competition. And that's why uh, with third singular, you don't have an option between saying work and works. You have to say works. Right. Um, this is just a simple example of what syncretism is. You find syncretism in essentially every paradigm, every inflectional paradigm that you find. The fact that it's so pervasive is is the reason why this is sort of a central feature of this theory and other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so we have some other tools that also work uh, with uh, syncretic systems, um, things like uh, 
fusion and fission, um, impoverishment. I don't, we don't need to get into the, all of the technical details of these tools, but mm-hmm. can you just tell us a little bit about what these processes uh, accomplish for us? And uh, if you think that they're worth some of the, the trade-off, because this is perhaps many of these um, processes are where a lot of the critiques of distributed morphology uh, really um, uh, exist. Like that's um, so... Yeah, that that's right. And even within uh, the framework, within um, sort of the group of people who call themselves distributed morphologies, there's a lot of disagreement on. Oh yeah, absolutely. On whether we should have these operations or not, or what form they should take. Um, uh, this is sort of one of the biggest sources of disagreement, and where a lot of the interesting research is done. Um, so the the idea is that, well. When I was talking about vocabulary insertion and late insertion, uh, sort of the motivation for it was to account for the fact that there are form, uh, there are mismatches between morphosyntax and morphophonology, right? The fact that in the paradigm for work, we want to say that morphosyntactically there are six different structures, but in terms of form, there are only two forms. So that's a kind of mismatch between form and, and morphosyntax that we account for with, uh, that we call syncretism and we account for in terms of the way vocabulary insertion works. Um, in general, all these extra operations that are posited as specifically morphological operations um, also take care of different kinds of mismatches. Um, impoverishment uh, is one that takes care of um, syncretisms that in general cannot be accounted for by simple um, uh, with simple assumptions about vocabulary insertion. Um, things like fusion or fission take care of mismatches of a different kind. Mismatches were uh, that have to do um, that have to do with uh, um, how many morphemes you want the, a word ha- to have morphosyntactically, and the fact that in terms of form you only see either fewer or less uh, or more exponents. Right. But sometimes you 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 know you have good reason to think that say a word has three morphemes in it, but then you see that that's systematically mapped to only two exponents. Um, uh, uh, so you, you have a reduction in the number of morphemes, but sometimes you can also have um, an increase in the number of morphemes. Um, th- this is sort of all very abstract, and, and um, um, uh, you know, I can I can give particular examples. So so sort of a very well known example is uh, the fact that um, that uh, throughout Semitic languages. Um, in a sort of re- uh, uh, apparently irregular but very consistent way across all the languages, you see that in particular verbal paradigms, the expression of subject agreement is split between uh, uh, between two morphemes, often a prefix and a suffix, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not in a sort of a clean cut way where, say, the prefix is person and the and the suffix is number. Um, right. But it's sort of more regular than that, but also very consistent. So that's a case where we might want to say that, well, morphosyntactically, one is a single agreement morpheme. Um, but then what we get in terms of form is two different exponents. So that's where we would, uh, or I mean, some of us would posit a specific rule that splits a morpheme into two. And that's why we have two exponents. So specifically, that operation is fission. Yes, yes. Great. Thank you so much. Um, so let's kind of step away from some of the, the technical aspects of distributed morphology and talk more about, 
for someone who is maybe wanting to step into working in distributed morphology and is maybe a new scholar, what advice would you have for them? Um, I think, <clears throat> I don't know. I, I'm biased because I work in this framework, right? But, but I think um, more than more so than, than many other frameworks, um, distributed morphology is a theory in which, in which um, you're really responsible not just for whatever morphological phenomenon you're looking at, uh, when you do research on any particular phenomenon, but also for whatever uh, uh, syntactic or phonological aspects to the phenomena there, because they're, yeah, all, we, they're always... We, we have so much to account for when we do right, DM. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. You can just, um, you know, sort of as a working hypothesis, you can adopt a given um, uh, internal morphological structure for a word, but ultimately your analysis will be responsible for, well, how do you generate it how do you generate that structure? And ultimately, that has to do with syntax. Um, right. uh, and so, so in order to be a good morphologist in distributed morphology, you also have to be a decent syntactician. And on the other hand, you also have to be um, a decent phonologist too, right? So it, it's very often the case that a, a problem that looks like a morphological problem is really a phonological problem or sometimes a syntactic problem. Um, mm -hmm. Because... Because it's it's sort of part and parcel of the of the of the it's a defining part of the framework that that morphology is distributed across the whole grammar that you have to be a good a good grammarian in all those aspects of 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 grammar. So so sort of my most basic piece of advice is is um, you know read a lot of stuff on all sorts of different kinds of grammatical aspects of. Of whatever you're working on, um, because that you know, of, overall, that will make you a better linguist, <laughs> and it's, well, yeah. it will make you a better morphologist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what do you think the biggest challenges are for distributed morphology as a framework over the next, you know, let's say maybe five to ten years? Um, what do we as practitioners have to worry about? Do you think? Yeah, I'm not sure that these are new challenges. Um, uh, and I'm not sure that these are challenges for the next five or 10 years, but um, anyway, so what, what I see sort of some of the most interesting work arising has to do, well, first with um, uh, the question that you asked me before that really only answered partially, which was um, whether we need and, and what form should they take if we need them, all these uh, extra rules of operations of impoverishment, fission, uh, fusion. I said there's a lot of disagreement in it. There's very, there's very good work arguing that we don't need them. Um, uh, there's, I think, very good work. I will humbly say saying that we need them. Uh, yeah. That includes my own. Um, I've also had some arguments for at least some of these uh, rules needing to exist in at least some right. form. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so I, I think there's a lot of interesting work still to be done there. Um, yeah. for, for at least for, for proponents of of operations, say, like impoverishment, sort of a very big question that, um, you know, has been treated, but I don't think in full form is the question of the relation between impoverishment and marketness. What is marketness? Uh, related to that, um, uh, you know, that sort of leads us to another big challenge for DM uh, is the question, the very basic question that I haven't talked about yet at all, which is... Um, what is the theory of morphological features? Um, 
because that's sort of at the core of accounting for almost anything in, in, in any morphological theory, but especially in this theory of morphology, uh, right? So if um, the, the questions about syncretism or any other sort of mismatch between syntax and phonology um, have to be framed in terms of features. Um, you, you, can, you can understand syncretisms in different ways depending on what theory of person features you have because that will, uh, because different uh, feature systems will, will make different predictions about possible syncretisms. Um, and so, so there's been a lot of interesting work on, 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 on features, especially on person and number features uh, but I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And, and here we're asking sort of very basic questions as to whether the right feature system is binary or primitive. Uh, this is sort of a debate that we inherited from phonology, but it's still very much, uh, very much a live debate in, in distributed morphology, uh, whether these features should be um, structured in any way, whether we need feature geometries uh, or anything like that. Um, and and so so sort of... This is a very basic question because whatever answer we have to that, we we make about features, whatever assumption we make about features will have very important consequences in whatever else we say about um, about about the morphological component. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's, I mean, basically the, the whole mechanics of distributed morphology uh, is built uh, on the engine of features. Right. And so I think, yeah, that's a great observation. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any other final thoughts you want to leave us with or? Um, um, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't need to. I just uh, wanted to give you the opportunity before I thanked you uh, for taking the time to speak with us today. Uh, no, no, just, you know, maybe emphasize a couple of things that I said. Uh, sure. One, uh, one that, um, that, you know, in order to do morphology well, you need to do syntax and phonology well as well. Uh, but on the other hand, I also wanted to add that um, uh, you can sort of also turn that around. Um, a morphology can also be a great introduction to syntax or to phonology. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and um, so, you know, there, there, there are a few books that one can read as sort of an introduction to morphology and distributed morphology that I think can also serve as very good introductions to um, to syntax for somebody who has very little uh, background on it. Um, for instance, um, um, Heidi Harley's uh, English, what's it? The English, English words. words. Yes. And another one, you know, more technical, more high level, not written as a textbook, but I think written very well uh, uh, for people not familiar with, with the framework is... Um, uh, Jonathan Bobolik's uh, Universalist in Comparative Morphology. Oh, yeah, that's another excellent book. Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more technical as well, I would say, is uh, Dave Embeck's The Morpheme. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. uh, those are all uh, just sort of each... Well, uh, uh, Universals and The Morpheme are probably at the same level of technicality. Right. But um, uh, So English words, if you're sort of a, a novice, that's a great place to start. If you're uh, have experience with uh, linguistics and want to challenge yourself, um, I would check out either of uh, those other two recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Carlos, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day uh, to speak with us. And I hope that you uh, remain healthy in this very unusual time that we're in right now. And uh, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, Jeff. I have a sincere recommendation. I was, I was very happy to do this. It was fun, and yeah, I hope uh, you and yours stay healthy too. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with everything. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again to Dr. Oregi for joining us. I want to just uh, add a few notes about future episodes. Given the ongoing COVID-19 crisis, it's a little difficult for us to know what our schedule is going to be. We're working uh, a lot with uncertainty right now. Um, So episodes are going to be coming uh, at a unusual pace. Uh, We'll have bursts of episodes, probably followed by uh, periods of inactivity. I do apologize. Um, It's just the world that we're living in right now. Uh, I hope you continue to listen and continue to enjoy um, and continue to respond. Uh, If you have a request for a particular uh, morphological topic that you would like to hear us talk about, please do not hesitate to contact me. Um, I love hearing from you and I will uh, continue uh, to work on this. Thank you.